Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. One of one thing, and I don't know if you men you know this, one thing that frustrates my wife more than anything, okay, is when I push her buttons. Now, I know, I know, men, we don't push our wives' buttons, but sometimes we do. When I push her buttons, when it comes to fitness and weight loss, okay, and uh, she's told me, okay, the best way to lose weight, the best way is to eat better and exercise. That really is the best way. But she'll often go on and say, okay, well, how, how do I do this? You know, and she'll say, well, no fast food. Okay, that's a given. No, McDonald's is off the list. No late night pizza. Not that we ever do that. None of you ever do that. Um, no Taco Tuesday on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Okay, so, so no tacos, right? You, you've seen that meme, right? I want, a, I want a hot body, but I want tacos too. I mean, it's just, she says no Coke, no Coke. And then she'll say, what you need is a good, low-calorie, you know, diet, lifestyle, and exercise. Now, what I like to do, what I like to do when she says is I like to challenge her, okay? And I like to challenge her with all the latest fads that come out, all the latest diets. Oh, really? Wow, you say this, and, and this, I heard this new weight loss diet, and, and, you know, an example, they might say, hey, I would tell her, hey, did you hear that you can really lose weight by... Whatever, you know, the latest fad might be, right? Hey, sweetie, did you know you can lose weight by jumping on one foot and patting on your head, you know, like this? And she'd be just like, no, right? Or, you know, and of course that's not one, but I'm just saying the this, this sillier, right? Did you know that if you just drink green tea for a month, you'll lose 100 pounds? And she just gets so frustrated. She's like, no, right? She just does that. And, and I think about it, right? She just, she's just, because she says the best way, the best way is to diet and exercise, right? A good, healthy meal plan. And then I started to think about that. Guys, when we decide to lose weight, right, what do we do? Well, culturally, we said, okay, let's just, uh, let's begin searching for the best weight loss program out there. Because there are a lot of people who want to lose weight, and there are a lot of companies out there prepared to take our money by giving us false hopes of six-pack abs, right? That's what they do. And because we want to lose weight very quickly, we want to do it quickly. Can I get an amen? I mean, we don't want to, it's, this is going to take time. We're willing to believe that if we drink a certain shake for breakfast or and lunch, that we'll lose weight. But the fact is, we all know what it takes to lose weight. You have to eat healthy and you have to exercise. It's very simple. There is no right? There is no lose weight quickly at all. There's just not. Now, I believe, think about this, I believe it's the very same thing in our spiritual lives. Pastor, what do you mean? See, there are a lot of us who want to grow closer to the Lord. We want to go deeper in our faith. We want to live obediently. We want to live righteously. The problem is, guys, is much like the quick schemes of weight loss, we follow the culture or the world which tells us this. If you want to succeed at anything, 
you have to work really, 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 really hard. And we go, oh, okay. And so what we do, guys, what we do is we say, oh, it must be more Bible studies. We need to do more Bible studies. Or we'll say, oh, no, 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 here's what I'm going to do. I want to grow in my walk with God. So I'm going to just listen to Christian radio all the whole time, Christian radio. Or we'll pull a sermon or two from a podcast. And here's the problem. We find ourselves, even doing all of this, we find ourselves living the same spiritual life, having the same sinful thoughts. It's like, man, nothing's changed. I, I do Bible studies and I listen to a podcast and I'll listen to Christian radio and we'll try to work harder. Guys, our problem, of course, we know is that Bible study alone, listen to this, does not result in spiritual maturity. Bible study alone, my Bible study helps, but it's not going to be the main result of spiritual maturity. The problem is, is we seek the easiest possible solution And we get frustrated when we don't see the results we want to see. Amen? Now you're thinking, Ben, 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 okay, you talked about weight loss, you talked about that, but what does the story have to do with what Paul is talking about in Corinth? Well, I believe, guys, it illustrates illustrates what's happening in the church at Corinth. It really does. You go, well, like what? Listen, the church that Paul is writing to If you recall, they were seeking wisdom, but they were doing it the wrong way. You go, well, 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 what do you mean? See, although they had committed to Christ and received the Holy Spirit, they were still seeking worldly wisdom rather than God's wisdom. And remember, because they were seeking or listening to worldly wisdom, the message of the cross now seemed foolish to them. The very message that they got saved when Paul was there, now they're going, I don't know. I don't know. Are you telling me just by me accepting Jesus? You're saying, I don't know. And it was foolish. And, then, and so Paul's writing to them. He goes, no, no, here's what I think. I think the gospel's too simple. It's too simple. You can't, no, no. And what they were doing is they say, I, I, here's what I need to do. They needed to feel like they contributed to their work of salvation. Does that hit home or what? Right? Because here's what we call it in the Bible, justification of works. Justification of works. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking, oh, let's see, the gospel says, I got to help God out. I got to do something. I got to go deeper in my faith. And that's what they're thinking. And that's what Paul is writing to the church. Now, remember what we talked about last week. Paul compared godly wisdom to worldly wisdom. Now, allow me to remind you, we learned that the division that was happening in the church, you go, what was that? Here, let me remind you. Teachers were coming into Corinth, amen? And what they were doing is that the people there, now, in an effort to feel more spiritual or to justify by works, they started following the teacher. They started going, oh, I I got my favorite teacher. I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Paul, or I'm of Cephas. And even some said, I'm of Christ. And so they started following me. Now you raise your hand, you go, Ben, Ben, is there anything wrong with following a teacher? I mean, we all got our favorite teachers. No, there's nothing wrong with a favorite teacher, except that they, that was causing divisions in God's church. You go, why was it causing division? Because they weren't united anymore to the central message of the cross. They were now now following guys. They were following men. They were personality cults. Oh, I really like, he makes me laugh. He's so funny. I really like to listen to him. Yeah, but what about the message? Well, 
you know, and the, and the message was, and now we're divided and, and things aren't going good. And the problem is, is they were following man or they were following personalities or they were following works or they were looking at the miracles rather than the centrality of the gospel. They were missing it completely. The finished work of Jesus on the cross. And what we have to do and what we have to take home this morning, church, is this. We must remember that the church is a community of people centered around Jesus. That's what the church is. It's not men. It's not men, right? We have to realize that as a church, we are focused on Jesus and Jesus only. And when we get together, we may talk about football. We may talk about our favorite sports team. But centrality as believers, the message will always come back to Jesus. That's what makes us a community. That's what makes us a community. This is why that Paul says the message of the cross to believers was the power of God to those who are being saved. Paul says, you guys got it. You got it. That's the power. You understand. And they'd go, yes, why? Because of the centrality of the cross of Christ. That's the gospel message. And then Paul exhorts the church with this amazing statement. And how many of us can go, that's my life verse? You go, what is it? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, where, where Paul writes, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame to wise. How many of us can go, yep, I know exactly what that means. <laughs> chose me and god has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and god and and the base things of the world which means born low the things which are despised which god has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are why so no flesh would glory in his presence that's a life verse for a lot of people. But let me give you an example of, and you guys know this. I mean, think about it. Think about it right now. I mean, here's a good example. David versus Goliath. That's a great example, right? The children of Israel are sitting there. They're all camped, right, in the Valley of Elah. And Goliath comes out and he says, and he's just taunting Israel. And everybody's like, yeah, hey, hey, bro, why don't you go fight him? No, not me. Why don't you? No, I don't want to. I love my wife. I don't want to die today. Because Goliath was a mighty warrior. Here comes David, a little runt kid. What's going on? Right? What's going on? And he goes, hey, that dude, is he's, he's cursing Israel. And so God uses the fool. Nobody thought David. As a matter of fact, think about this. King Saul said, I mean, here's a king. Here's David. I'll fight him. Right? I'll fight him. He's like, all right. What king would send a kid to fight Goliath? He's like, put on my armor, right? And so David's like, clink, clink, clink. I mean, it's just silly. It's just silly. But what happened? We know that God was victorious. Think about it, guys. God was victorious through David over this uncircumcised Philistine. But see, here's the thing. The centrality of the cross is a lot like David. And Goliath is a lot like sin. And God took something that people said, that's foolish to destroy and kill sin. And that's what he's trying to get to the church. He's saying, guys, listen, he used the foolish things of the world. Now, here's the key, right? Here's the key. This is the truth that Paul wanted to get across to the to, to Corinthians. Why? Because they were guilty of glorifying men. Now, you and I are not guilty of that today, right? We don't go crazy 
for our favorite rock star or our favorite athlete or we don't, we're, we're, we're really good. But here's what they do. They were glorifying men. As a matter of fact, we know that in chapter 1, verse 12, the people were saying this. Now, I say this. Each of you says, I'm of Paul. And Paul's like, why are you even lifting me up? And some said, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. So they began to lift up men rather than Jesus. And then, of course, we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21, Paul writes, Therefore, let no one boast in men. And men. So you could imagine what was going on in this church. Hey, you've got to come to my church. Man, my pastor's the best. He's this, he's this, he's this, he's that. Man, he's just awesome. Or come to my church. There's miracles happening at my church. I mean, we saw, you know, whatever it might be. And so they're starting to pick personalities and they're forgetting the centrality of Jesus. This should always be a place where we worship Jesus, guys. As a matter of fact, here's what we do. When we get with the worship team, we say, listen, there's a lot of great songs out there but they're not necessarily worship songs. You go, what do you mean? There's a lot of great songs, but worship is when we lift up the name of Jesus and not us. That's worship because we've come here to worship God. And there's some amazing songs, but sometimes they're so egocentric. And yes, God has saved us. And yes, God has done amazing things in our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. But But we don't worship us. We worship Jesus. We say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Right? You go, well, give me an example. Well, the song I can only imagine is an amazing song, right? I can only imagine. And, and, and probably Stephen can sing it so good like that. But here's the thing. It's not a worship song. Because what's, what's the centrality? Me. I can imagine. Yes, that's going to be a great song. But I want to lift up the name of Jesus. And, and that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Don't glory men. Don't glory of men. He says, therefore, let no one boast of men. Why? If we glory in men, even godly men like Peter and Paul and Apollos, here's what we're doing. Listen to this. We are robbing God of the glory that he alone deserves. Wow. Wow. When we have our favorite teachers and we go, man, you need to listen to so-and-so or such-and-such, and we put them higher than God, we're robbing God of the glory because, see, it's God who works in and through us. But we're so sinful that when somebody, when we start to, when, when people start to like us, hey, that was a great sermon. Yeah, what, you think? T- tell me more. You know, and we get really weird because we, now that's different from being encouraged. Hey, you know, thank, thank you know, Stephen, Lord, all that, thank you so much for your gift. Thank you so much for the, the ability. And, and he goes, amen, praise the Lord. But it's so different when we start to receive. We start to receive that. We start to receive that. Now, we don't want to rob God of the glory that he alone deserves. Well, today, guys, Paul, he's going to focus a little bit different. He's going to focus on the necessity, listen to this, of the Holy Spirit in really understanding the mind of God. You see, he wants the church to see that while he's seeking, right, while they're seeking this worldly wisdom, tell us how to, how to get closer to God quickly, they're missing the wisdom of God. And within... And around them, because they're thinking on an earthly plane, then not a spiritual plane. 
we're like that in a lot of ways. If you can just tell me what to do, tell me how my marriage, give me the five steps to make my marriage work versus then seeking God and, and, and looking at it from a, a, a spiritual plane in our marriage. And we like that. Give me something to do. And that's what he wants to communicate today. And, of course, we ended our Bible study last week um, with these verses. He says, so, so let's, let's end and let's begin with them. In, in chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says, I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I got to be honest with you, this is almost like a mic drop for Paul, right? Because he goes, listen, he says, when I came to you, I came to you in weakness and fear, but it wasn't a personal fear, guys. It was more trembling and anxiety to perform so that people could get, he's like, no, I I was afraid because, listen, I had just left Thessalonica, and then I went to Berea, and then I left Athens, and in Athens, they were like, no, I'm not sure what you really, Paul, we're not sure what you're really talking about, and so he comes here, and he says, and in my speech, you guys see that? He says, both in my private talks and my preaching, he said, they were not with persuasive words. They were not with persuasive words. And so last week we left off, Paul is very wise in writing this letter. And you go, why? Because notice what he tells the church. He says, listen, you got saved by the power of God, not in my philosophical words. You got saved by the power of God. Why would Paul say that? Why would he say, now now listen, he said, listen, it was a demonstration of the Spirit, not my persuasive words. Why would he say that? Listen to this. Because he wanted to make sure that the people trusted in God and not the messenger of God. Wow! Wow, that's deep. Wow, that's heavy. Why? Because that's exactly what a lot of people are doing today. They're putting their faith and trust. Listen to this. And this is why we have denominations. And this is why we're so uh, all over the map when it comes to when it comes to church and God and religion is because people are putting their faith and trust in what one man said. And, and, and now a denomination is spread out and well, well, this is how we do it. And this is how we've always done it. And and, and, and that's how, uh, well, you can't, you can't be part of our church because you're not. And it's just like, no, Paul's going, no, 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 don't, don't put your faith in the messenger. Put your faith in the message of God. And, and that's, I mean, that's, well, you go, well, Ben, 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 you're Calvary Chapel, right? Pastor Chuck. Well, here's the thing. Pastor Chuck is gone now, but I got to answer to God, not Pastor Chuck. And so. I have to teach. Now, I love the distinctives of what we're going to do, but I still got to answer to God. So I need to teach the Bible verse by verse. And when there's stuff that comes up and goes, I don't know what it means, then say, I don't know what it means. And then move on. But but think about it, guys. Think about it. This is exactly what we need to do. We need to trust. We need to trust God and not the messenger of God. We don't put our faith in trust. We also have to be careful of this. And what's that? Paul said, I didn't come to you with with persuasive words. Paul didn't want to talk anyone into getting saved. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? He says, why? Because if you can talk someone into getting saved, then someone can talk them out of it. 
He says, it's a work of the Spirit. When Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, it means born from above. It's a spiritual thing, guys. It's a work of God. You're here today, and if you've given your heart to Jesus, if you're truly saved, that's a work of God's Holy Spirit in your life. It wasn't by somebody's persuasive words. Now, you may have been somewhere where all of a sudden, he, you know, the, the, the message made sense. You liked the way he presented it, and you felt the tugging of the Holy Spirit for you to go saved. That's different, but you didn't put your faith in that guy. You said, I'm following Jesus. We are reminded in God's word over and over that salvation is a work of God's Holy Spirit. Warren Wearsby told a story once of a man who was sitting with the, with a group of elders, and one of the elders said, you know, I'm going to just make sure so-and-so is saved. I'm going to just go after him like with a vengeance. He will be saved. And so he got together with this man, and he tells him, and he shares with him, and persuasively, theologically argues, gets it down to the man, goes, oh, okay, I guess so. And so when they asked the man, they said, are you saved? He goes, yeah, Tom tells me I'm saved. I guess I'm saved. You see, because it was with argument, he says it wasn't until later on that he truly realized what salvation was, and it's a work of God. So we have to be careful because we can theologically persuade you to give your life to Jesus, but you may just be doing it because. And so Paul says, okay, okay, okay. Warren Wearsby goes on to use this quote, and I love it because he says, the gospel, guys, is still the power to change men's lives. It's the gospel. Effectiveness in evangelism does not depend on our arguments or persuasive gimmicks, but on the power of the Spirit of God to work in our lives and through the word that we share. That's why sometimes... Those who are super emotional because of something that's happened, sometimes they'll come forward because life has just thrown them a super curveball and they'll say, I got saved. And then three weeks later, they're back to walking in the world because things have settled down. And you go, I thought you got saved. I thought you gave your life to the Lord. Well, I did. I mean, it was a pretty rough time and, and I've tried everything else. So I thought I'd try Jesus. It has to be a work of the spirit where God moves in your heart and you say, yes. Because that's going to be long-lasting. Guys, the Christian life is not a hundred-yard dash. It's a long marathon. It's a long marathon. It's running every single day. And it's just, it's, that, that's what the Christian life is. That's what the Christian life is. So now we come to our text. Now we come to our text. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 6-10, through 10, Paul speaks. Now here's going to do. He's going to speak of the hidden reality of the kingdom. He's going to speak there. You go, what do you mean? Look at verse 6. Paul says, however, everybody see that? We speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. Now, again, I, I would love to say, Paul, could you just speak English? Could you just tell us what you, you're saying? Well, here's what he's saying. He's saying, yet, although I said... You know, we didn't come with persuasive words. It's the demonstration of the Spirit. He said, when I'm among mature believers, he says, I do speak words of wisdom. He says, I do talk about the deep things of God, right? But not the kind of wisdom that belongs to the world, he's saying. Not the kind of the way that the rulers of the world, he says, because those are, those are soon forgotten. 
He says, Paul says, I, I, I want you to understand that while I didn't come to you preaching with human wisdom, that I didn't mean that I didn't come without wisdom. And I'm looking at this going, Paul's just so smart. He's just super wise. But he says this. He did, in fact, come in wisdom, guys. But they didn't grasp it. Why? Because it was spiritual wisdom rather than worldly wisdom. I didn't get it. Look at verse 7. He says, but we speak of the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. Now, what Paul says, he wants to speak the wisdom of God. This wisdom tells the mature saint about the vast eternal plan that God has for his people in his creation. And he says, listen, I'm going to speak this incredible mystery. It was hidden and it's preordained before the ages of the glory. You go, well, Ben, what is Paul actually trying to tell the church? He says, the wisdom that I proclaim is God's hidden wisdom, which he had already chosen for our glory even before the world was made. So God's not holding out on us. And he goes, which, verse 8, none of the rulers of this age knew. They didn't grasp it. For they had, for if they had known, look, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Wow. The wisdom, guys, was hidden in an, from an unsaved world. For if they knew, they would have never crucified Jesus. Can I get an amen? When you think about the biggest defeat that the cross produced, if Satan himself knew what that would have done, he would have never incited the people to crucify Jesus. He didn't know. He just said, man, here's the son of God. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. And Jesus is going, no, this is, this is what I had planned the whole time. This is how I'm going to reconcile Joe Mabry to me. This is how I'm going to reconcile Carrie to me. This is, how, this is how through the cross, through the cross, right? And he says, now listen, listen. Paul's going, listen, guys, none of the rulers knew about this, of this age. He said, none of them knew. If they had known... They would have never crucified Jesus. They would have never crucified Jesus. Now, he says this. He says, have crucified, notice, the Lord of glory. If you're taking notes, guys, you can just circle that because what Paul is really referring to, if you look it up in the Greek, is Jesus Christ. That's what he's going to. That's what he's going to. He says, man, they would have never crucified the Lord Jesus. So then Paul Continues his letter, he says, now, just so I can grab your attention, I'm going to quote from the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pull Isaiah 64, verse 4, and it's cited because it draws attention to something so super amazing. You go, Ben, what's that? It draws the attention to the totality, unexpected grace that he bestows on those who love him. The unexpected, I mean, just wonderful grace. What is it? Well, look at verse 9. He says, but as it is written... I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Isn't that an incredible verse? I mean, think about it, man. I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has even entered in the heart of man things which God has prepared for those who love him. And that's just super amazing. 
Paul says, by the way, listen, here's what you got to grasp. You got to grasp. I want to draw attention to how God is going to use. You don't even know what God is going to do in your life. You don't even know what he's going to take. I mean, nobody understands. It hasn't even come into your heart what God wants to do with a life that's just sold out for him. And you go, well, Ben, I love God. I love God. Listen, God has a plan, but we can't keep walking in the natural. We can't keep walking worldly. We've got to walk spiritually. Oh, God, what do you have for us? You see, because ever since we were born, the world has told us, you've got to do this, you've got to work hard. Hey, if you're going to make it in life, you've got to work hard, you've got to do this, you've got to climb that corporate ladder. And then one day, maybe when you're 65, or if you're really lucky when you're 35, you'll hit it, you'll hit it big, man, you'll hit that ball out of the park, it's going to be amazing, and then you'll make it. And, and that's not God's plan. God's plan, listen, listen, riches are more than money. Peace in your home is far worth more than a million bucks. Ben, I want a million bucks. Well, think spiritually. Peace in your home. Peace in your heart. Joy. Walking and seeing God move in your life. Watching your kids, your little, watching them pray. And they don't pray like we do. They pray so sincerely, so amazing. They tell the truth. We pray so people can hear us. Lord Jesus, let me just pray. They're just like, right? They just pray. I love the, I love the way that kids pray. Love the kids pray. You ever hear your kids pray? It's amazing, right? It reminds me of the kid who was praying for a bike. You know what I mean? He got down and he's praying for a bike. Lord, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. Lord, I just want a brand new bike. I've been real, Lord. And the mom's like, hey, calm down. God's not deaf. He goes, oh, I know that. But grandma is. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But kids pray amazingly. And then Paul writes in verse 10. He says, but God, but God has revealed to them, to us through the spirit. For the spirit searches all things. yes. The deep things of God. You see, guys, exactly what Paul is doing. What Paul is doing, he's trying to get us to see that we, the way we grow in the grace and the knowledge and obedience and righteous is by through the power of the Holy Spirit, not what culture tells us to do. He says we have to have, we have, to have a relationship with God the Spirit. The Corinthians, of course, had the Holy Spirit, guys. They did. But they missed much of what Paul was teaching them because they were thinking worldly point of view rather than a spirit. They were frustrated with Paul's teaching because they wanted something deeper. But the fact was, as Paul's going to tell them in chapter 3, verse 1, that they were not ready for more for meaty teachings because they were still only ready for milk. Right? I mean, think about this. We've been here at church for 15 and a half years, and God has blessed us. Unbelievable. We've seen people come. We've seen people go. We've seen people come in here and get saved. We've, seen pe- we've lost people. It's just been, it's been amazing. But throughout the 15 and a half years, guys, I've had many people come to me and tell me, well, pastor, we're leaving the church. Why is that? Well, because we're not getting fed anymore. We're just not getting fed. We want to go deeper with God. 
We want to have a deeper walk. And, and you, you, you teach well, Pastor. You teach in a way that everybody, you teach down to earth, but we're just not getting fed. And, and, and here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, the people at Corinth weren't even applying what they already knew, and they already wanted to know more. And we have to realize that it's important that we understand knowledge by itself does not equate to maturity. We didn't have all the knowledge in the world. I know somebody right now that reads the Bible every single night. Has read it through hundreds, it seems like just ever since I've known him. He reads the Bible every night and can still be ugly and mean, and I mean, because knowledge alone is not equating to spiritual maturity. And see, spiritual maturity is so much, think about what spiritual maturity looks like in your life. Think about it, guys, there's grace. There's grace for people, because if you're going to have the mature heart of Christ, he was for people. He loved people. And he knew they were messed up. And he shed grace. He, he knew that the maturity in our lives, we walk in humility. Even though God is lifting us up and God is blessing us and we still walk in humility. We realize that it's God who's given us our ability. Our ability at our jobs, our ability to do what we do, our abilities to raise kids, our ability to pour into the word of God for our family. But we realize that it's God and a mature Christian walks in humility. He walks in grace and a mature Christian walks in love. We can have all the Bible knowledge in the world and we can still be mean to each other. And even even a sadder note, of course, just my opinion, guys, standing over here, just my opinion. Sometimes with Bible knowledge, without the Holy Spirit, we take that knowledge and we beat others with it. That makes me so mad when somebody takes the precious word of God and uses it as a tool to hurt somebody else. I get angry. Because we need the spirit. If you really understand the word of God through the spirit of God, then we're, we're, we're really broken people going, man, thank you, Jesus. How you doing today? And it's not, it's not commonplace and cliche, is it? How you doing? Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't even deserve what I have. Hey, man, did you eat today? Man, I ate today. It was good. It was good. We think we deserve. And God does this. And God does this. Pastor, what does Paul say? Well, again, he says, okay, it's the spirit, guys. And we want to grow maturity, but you're doing it the wrong way. And so Paul wants them to understand, guys, that the things of the world are passing away. Keep that in mind. And they needed to focus on the wisdom of God. But the only way to do that, listen to me, is through the Holy Spirit. Now, before I finish up the next few verses, here's what I want to remind you. Please be careful because in our culture, there have been so many people that have taken the Holy Spirit and they have abused it and it scared people and the holy spirit here and 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 you're just like oh my gosh that freaks me out and so so you you just go okay and then they've taken the holy spirit over here and then they've put him in a box and said no he can't you be used 
And so you're going, well, then I have no power because I'm reading the word and I'm not growing. And here's what we seek to do. We seek to do what Paul wants to do. He says, listen, guys, it's the Holy Spirit in our lives that illuminates the word of God so that we can keep the cross central and we can walk and have joy and peace and love in our lives. It's about, it's about submitting to that. And sometimes that means you have a heavenly language where you speak in other tongues. And that's, that's a gift God gives to you. Sometimes it's the power of the Holy Spirit when you're witnessing to somebody and Bible verses are coming that you didn't even know you knew. And you're, and, and you're loving it. You're not arguing. You're not like, listen, you better get saved. You know, I'm going to hit you. You're, uh. you're just saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And this is what he's done in my life. And, and they'll give you, they'll argue with a point. You say, yeah, but look at it this. And they go, oh, man, I've never seen it this way. I've never seen it. Wow. And then the Holy Spirit moves in your life. Or the Holy Spirit just comforts you and gives you peace in those dark trials of our lives. Where if somebody asks you, how you doing? Your only response is, it's hard to breathe. But you know you can sustain because God's Spirit is in you. And you know, I don't, I don't even know how I sustained this. I don't even know how I did this. Oh, yeah, God's Holy Spirit. And so that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to grow and he wants us to mature in that. Okay? And he wants us to seek the wisdom of God, but only through the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say this. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's the third person of the triune God. So the Holy Spirit is God. And his main ministry role is to, to point to Jesus so that we could get saved. So we can get saved because it's the work of the cross that saves us. It's a supernatural work. Amen? So now he goes on. He says, okay, look at verse 11. We'll move to this pretty quick. He says, now, so for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man, which is in, which is in him, right? That, that makes sense. Only you know what's inside your own heart. Only you know. And he goes, of course, that makes sense. Yeah, a man knows what's inside of himself. You know what you're thinking. You know how to react. You know the faces you make. He says, even so, he says, no one knows the things of God except who? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. He says, guys, now, you didn't receive the spirit of the world, but you received the Holy Spirit so that God can grow in you and you can know the mind of Christ. You can know his heart. You can know how you're supposed to behave. The gospel penetrates, guys, not only our position, we're going to heaven, but it penetrates our thinking. It penetrates who we are. It helps us to walk and, and be more like Jesus. You know, you have to know that. The person that says, man, I got saved, but my thinking is still the same. You're going, well, you're not allowing the, I'm not saying you're not saved. But Paul says, listen, but you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to move and regenerate and shape your mind to, be, have, to have more the mind of Christ. We've got to be careful that we're not sucked back into culture, whatever culture we're from, whatever, whatever world we're from, and that we forget that, no, we should still be transforming through our mind. And it's so amazing. That's what he says. I forgot what verse. Okay, verse 13. He says, These things we also speak, not in words, 
which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Well, tell us more, Paul, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, nor can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. That's pretty plain, okay? And we walk in the natural, we're not going to hear God in the spiritual. It can't, guys. And then when you read the things in the Bible, and you go, seriously? Why? Because here's what the Bible tells us. Think about this. The Bible says that the first will be last, and the last will be first. That's God's wisdom. And I say, okay, everybody line up who wants to be first. We all do. I want to be, that's just natural in us. I want to be first, right? Okay, we're all going to have a race. What, what happens to all the men in here? I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to be first. I'm going to be first place. Here we go, right? And then we pull a hammy out of the gate and we're like, oh, never mind. I should have stretched, you know? But that's, that's our mindset, right? Even women are competitive. It blows my mind. I mean, sometimes they're so as competitive as us. All right? But when I say, hey, listen, here's the deal. God says the last will be first in heaven. You go, oh, well, I'm not going to like deliberately throw the race. I'm, it's just not wisdom because the natural man can't. It's fool, you go, that's foolish. I've been taught to be number one. I've been taught to be the best. I've been taught to be. And so Paul says, no, you need the spirit to understand what's going on. He says, because they're spiritually discerned. He says, but he who is spiritual, he judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. When it's spiritual, guys, we think about it. Now, here's the one thing. Let me ask you if you do this. It's kind of a curse, but when you walk more in the spirit, supernaturally, you tend to see everything in the spirit. You guys know what I'm talking about? You'll watch a movie. And you'll see the gospel in it. You'll, you'll just look at it and go, yeah, that's, you know, man, that's the gospel. I mean, you'll pull out the spiritual and everybody's like, I didn't even see that. I just thought it was a good movie, you know? And, I, and then you'll look at anything and it seems like it's almost like the God of the universe has been creating the gospel in every situation, even since we were kids. You go, what do you mean? Saturday morning cartoons. What would happen, right? It was always good versus evil. And the good always won. And what God was doing, he's saying, listen, that's the whole point. The point is, evil is trying to rule your life, but God wins. And when you walk in spiritual, you're going, oh, I saw, I saw that. But maybe you don't enjoy the movie anymore because now you're just like, <laughs> yeah, did you see that? It also ruins Christian movies. Because when you watch Christian movies and you know the true gospel and you know what the gospel does and you know what being saved means, right? Both, both positional sanctification, progressive sanctification, and ultimate sanctification. Some of these movies, you're just like, oh, that would, that's just, oh, that's so frustrating because that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. It's a justification of works. So Paul says, for who, verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who, who's going to know that? He says, but you and I, we have the mind of Christ. 
we have the mind of Christ. Guys, in our flesh, we cannot understand the thoughts of God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. But we only receive the Holy Spirit when we submit our lives to God and place our faith in Jesus. Guys, when you sit down to have your quiet time, you don't need to sit there and go, man, I need to know more. I need to do, listen, I need a new revelation from God. What you need is those Holy Spirit, illuminate what's right here so I can grow in you. Holy Spirit, help me to be obedient to what's here. That's what we need. He says, that's how you're going to grow in maturity. He says, we don't need new revelation. We need new insights to what he's already told us. And the only way we get those insights is through the power of the Holy Spirit, but us submitting our lives to the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. See, the Corinthians here understood what Paul had taught them when he was with them. But now, guys, but but now they're focusing on... Well, they had lost touch. They had lost touch with the Spirit, and they became worldly. And I don't mean that they lost the Spirit altogether, but they had become stagnant in their faith, and they were out of touch with God, and they stopped living in obedience. That's what's happening. Paul's trying to say, guys, it's the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to close our Bible study uh, right at this point, um, time-wise, but this is important. You know, Paul is trying to help them understand that if they want to understand and return to the power and the wisdom of the gospel, as he taught them when he was with them, here's what he says. They're going to have to humble themselves and get back in touch with God through the Holy Spirit. They're going to have to be in the word and in prayer They're going to have to recommit to unity of the body of Christ and sharing their faith. Then the wisdom of God will begin to make sense again. He's saying, guys, you need to do this. For the Corinthians and for us, I think it's an important issue for us. You go, what do you mean? See, the Corinthians had gone far beyond his and has assimilated the culture too much, so much that they didn't look any different. And I believe that the church often faces the same problem. We have to ask ourselves, guys, what difference Christ has made in my life? What's that difference? And we must realize what Paul is trying to communicate He is wise, but he wants us to grow, and he wants us to mature, and he wants us to understand the deep things of God, not so that we can brag or boast, but so that we can know the mind of Christ. Here's the bottom line. You ready? He wants us to live a spirit-led life. And the only way we do that is committing ourselves to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we do. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love. And now we worship you in song. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. 
If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.